What's up all my hustlepreneurs out there? Welcome to episode five of the Hustlepreneur Life Podcast. On this episode, we have a legend from my hometown, Lansing, Michigan. His name is Desmond Ferguson. He created Moneyball Sportswear, and he's been doing this for about 18 years now. Moneyball is well known in my hometown for uh, the custom uniforms that they do, from the sports apparel that they have, and uh, in general, just Desmond is also known just for what he's done as far as the Moneyball Pro-Am and uh, you know different aspects of different camps and basketball um, that he's helped with. So he helped coach my um, alma mater, Lansing Everett, which is his alma mater also. Um, he took those guys a couple years back to back-to-back uh, uh, Final Four appearances at the Breslin Center uh, for the state championship in high school basketball. So, I mean, Desmond's done a lot, and uh, I, think it, I think it's awesome that he decided to be on it and agreed to it. So I definitely am looking forward to interviewing him. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's bring Desmond on. Desmond, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you for uh, thank you for jumping on. No problem, man. Uh, appreciate you having me. Good to, good to be on. Yeah, so like I said, uh, this podcast is called the Hustlepreneur Life Podcast. So um, I'm born and raised in Lansing, Michigan. Um, this is the episode number five for me. So um, you know, I I was like, man, I should I should reach out to Desmond and see if he'll jump on because I mean, when I think of one specific business person or just person in general from or in Lansing that has created a successful business in my eyes is you, you know, you're like, you're one of the first people. And I actually put a Facebook post out saying like, after you confirmed it, I said, yeah. can anybody guess the one um, from Lansing, a successful business person, um, role model, can somebody guess who's going to be on it? I can't tell you yet because we haven't recorded, so I didn't want to jinx it. But I was like, let me, let me see if somebody, if you guess it right, I'll heart the comment first person yeah, yeah. commented put Desmond Ferguson so I was like see uh, yeah, yeah. you know people already know so um, yeah man tell us a little bit about you uh, you know again uh, who, who's Desmond and kind of how Moneyball started yeah man first of all like uh, I, I like the I like the name of the podcast man Hustlepreneur man because that's you know that's, 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 that's it in a nutshell man that's, okay. that's what it's all about the hustle and being an entrepreneur and, mm-hmm. and the everyday grind but uh, I mean that kind of represents you know who I am and uh you know, to the bone. Um, you know, being uh, growing up here in Lansing, Michigan. Um, you know, playing sports. You know, soccer, football, basketball. You know, going to you know Garden Middle School, Everett High School, and so forth. Um, you know, I started off my grind as you know being a local barber. Uh, okay. And I just cut here in my mom mom basement. That that kind of started the, the hustle slash entrepreneur in me at a, at a young age, 12, 13 years old, and I was able to. You know, buy my first car at the age of 16 off of $3 haircuts at the time. Yeah. So that's when the grind really began and, and knew, that's when I knew I really wanted to, you know, own something, not knowing, you know, fast forward, it would be Moneyball Sportswear, but I always wanted to have some type of ownership. But, uh, you know, I, I obviously love playing sports, so I was able to get a scholarship, uh, come out of Everett High School, originally to University of Missouri. Uh, things didn't work out there after the first year, so I transferred to University of Detroit Mercy, where uh, we had a lot of success and Went to the NCAA, uh, second round NCAA two years in a row. Uh, left as an all-time three-point shooter over a three-year period. And uh, graduated in 2000 with a business administration degree. And then I went on to play professionally for 11 years. So I had the opportunity to play in 11 different countries uh, over my 11 years playing. Had a chance of reaching a lifelong dream playing the NBA with the Portland Trailblazers in 04. But uh, like I said, 11 different countries from making peanuts to minor league right. to you know, overseas, getting a chance to experience different ways of life, different cultures, uh, create some uh, dope relationships, and 
along that way, uh, my first year playing overseas, I was in Holland, and I started thinking about uh, what it is that I wanted to do. Uh, now that I was getting paid to play basketball, you know, because all my life I played basketball, but it was obviously passion and playing for free. And um, I've seen so many athletes, and particularly young black athletes, that uh, make a lot of money from sports, but they don't have anything to show for it uh, once they get done playing or even while they're playing. So uh, I had that mindset at, a, at an early age, so at the age of 24, that's when I came, 23 at, well, at 23 at the time, I started to uh, think about things I wanted to do, and I knew because of my love for sports, I still want to be involved with sports some shape, form, or fashion, even as I got older. So the thought, the idea of doing basketball uniforms came to mind, not knowing how I was going to be able to do it. So this is 2000, 2001 when I was brainstorming. And, uh, you know, and, and why? Because uh, when I was in high school and, you know, many years ago, a lot of teams, all the uniforms looked the same. The only thing different was the name across the chest or the color. So I want to be able to create a custom uniform. And then a year later, in 2002, I was able to play in the Philippines, and I met some manufacturers in the Philippines, and that's really got the ball rolling when we started doing uniforms. And then a lot of relationships that I've been able, to, I was able to gain over the years, uh, you know, came to play. You know, being in Detroit, all the high school coaches and athletic directors, and that's, that's kind of how we started uh, in Detroit, Michigan, Detroit Public School League, uh, Detroit Finney High School was the first school we ever done. Uh, my former teammate EJ Harrelson was a coach there. He's now the assistant coach at uh, Wayne State uh, basketball, men's basketball. So. Those relationships came in handy, and then uh, slowly but surely, I was able to grow the business. You know, from I was still playing ball, so you know, at first it was a, it was a it was a hobby. You know, then it became a you know side hustle, then it became a legit business, and you know, it was different steps for me because I you know played for 2000, 2011, and then I went to be the coaching at Everett High School for five years. So I was coaching as well as running business. Then I stepped down in 2017, so I could just run the business full time. So. That's kind of you know the the fast the fast pace of right. you know a little history and and background of me of how we got started and uh, you know where my my grind and love for just being an entrepreneur came from. Yeah, so that though landing those first kind of uh, couple like you said schools or those couple jersey um, I guess contracts with schools and stuff. How did that feel? Like, did you did that? Was that like? Is that when you kept going? Was there ever a time like before you did that where you ran into some situations trying to get it started where you're like, man, I don't know if I can make this happen or kind of what? I mean, you know, just like in life and, and you know, business is always going to be different hur hurdles and obstacles you got to come over. So uh, at the time, I was just, I just had uh, uh, a little book with different art designs. I didn't have any fabric, anything. But like I said, my friend EJ Harrison took a chance on me, but it's crazy. That was the first team we did uniforms for. And the day after he played his first game, he hit me up like this. Yo, the numbers are coming out of the uniform. I'm like, damn, you know, this business is about to be over before it even gets started. So then we, you know, rushed out some more uniforms. Second uniform, the day as the numbers come out of the uniform, I'm like, man, this business is not going to last. So they was doing screen printing uniforms at the time. Oh, I said, okay. no more screen printing. We're going to do tackle tour. That's where the numbers and letters are sewn on. And then we did those, and those, those were great. And then we ended up doing a lot of schools and Detroit public school area and then Lansing and all the state of Michigan and beyond. But that was the first hurdle, you know, in the business. And it's been so many more, even 2009, we almost had to shut the doors for a minute when things went haywire and had some problems with manufacturing. So, you know, every, every, every year is always, you know, some obstacles, but some are a little worse than others. But, you know, when you're really passionate about something, uh, you just keep going. Yeah. Now, so you, how long were you doing the money ball? or um, still playing basketball, professional basketball, while you were doing Moneyball? Or did you do, 
was that directly after you finished? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, from day one. So uh, my first year playing professionally was 2000, 2001. That's when I was in Holland, uh, brainstorming, you know, coming with ideas. And then uh, in 2002, uh, I, played, I went and played in the Philippines. And that's when the ad business actually started. So I was playing and uh, running the business. So, you know, that's why it was, it was growing and then, you know, staying low level growing because right. I was out of the country six, seven months, you know, out of the year. So it was tough to grow something uh, when you're gone, but kept it going. And then, you know, each step has been a growth from when I was playing, you know, had the business going and even some of the teams I played for, uh, they purchased uniforms from us and some of the other teams in the league and stuff like that. So we were able to do, you know, I was able to compete and be playing still professional ball and here I am playing against a team across me that's wearing yeah. the Moneyball logo. Too. That was a that was a cool feeling, but it's been a, a gradual step. So when I was playing the business a certain level, then when I stopped playing with coaching, was back here in Lansing, it took it to another level. And then when I stopped coaching and just fully Moneyball, it went to another level. So the, the, the goal is always growth. And when did you stop playing professionally? 2011, yep. Okay. So started in 2000, finished 2000, so 11 years professionally. You know, like I oh, said, man, so uh, you were still playing, because I, I graduated in 2010, and yeah. I want to say, I think I was on the first team at Everett that we got Moneyball jerseys that year. I think that was the first year we wore. Yep, so you graduated in 10, so what was that? Uh, 2009 would have been the year. Yep, so, so boom, Everett won the state championship. Oh four, 4 we didn't do those, so it was like the year or two after. So I think we started maybe in 06, 07, somewhere around okay, there when yeah, we did uh, yeah, because I obviously yep. was, I was JV prior, and I don't think we got the Moneyball jerseys, but the varsity, I think, had them. So in 09, when I went to go play varsity, I wore, you know, the money uh, Moneyball jerseys. What, what did you call that logo? You know how, like, uh, Jordan that was our shoot logo. So you, you called it that, you deemed it the shoot logo, right? Yeah, that was our shoot logo. So uh, obviously that was just a silhouette of me shooting the basketball from right. my days at University of Detroit. And um, I knew for us to really have the full growth potential that we couldn't, continue moving with that logo being that only Jordan can get away with a basketball, right. on, yeah. you know, baseball uniform or football uniform, but it kind of puts you in a hole. And what I do, I like to study uh, businesses and individuals or why they're successful, unsuccessful. And, you know, I always talk about M1, you know, M1 had things on lock when you talk yeah. late nineties, early 2000, they was, they were right behind Nike as far as having the most NBA players with their shoes in the NBA. But I think they were kind of stagnant because if you look at the logo, it was a, you know, guy with a basketball like you can't put that on any other sport so right. your city is only so high so i was playing professionally over in uh, bulgaria in 2004-2005 and at the time i met some young cats that worked for sporting over there and they designed our current logo so i held on to the logo for like a year or two and i dropped it because we was having growth and success in the state of michigan with the shoot logo but i knew mm-hmm. for us to take that national jump i didn't want us to still have that logo and we had to go to something else and now i didn't want to have two logos i mean if you look at you know, our goals compete with the big boys. So if you see right. Nike, Adidas, you know, Under Armour, they got one main logo. You can't have two logos. So we did bring it back a little bit for our 15-year anniversary, uh, probably do some designs again for our 20-year anniversary. But, yeah, we, we've been rocking with the MB logo ever since. I mean, I, I love the new logo. Like, I, I think that new logo is dope. Um, they definitely killed that um, just with the MB and, and just in the shape. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a dope logo, you guys. I think that's definitely the logo, uh, like you said, that would take you – take you far um did you start actually growing internationally first because like you said you were playing over there like like you said you got some schools here and stuff but did you actually see the most growth actually internationally first or did you yeah no no it it was here first uh international came from you know some of the guys that i played with that may start coaching that was still overseas or 
uh, my last couple of years professionally, I was up in uh, Nova Scotia, up in Canada. Uh, so we were able to do the whole Canadian league. So as as I got later in my career, that's when we started doing more of the uh, you know international teams. But we really grew. We really started off heavy in the in the AAU scene, and then moving right. on to the high school scene. So you know we've done obviously some, some smaller pro leagues and uh, some 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 colleges and stuff. But the bulk of our uniform business has been on the the AAU travel circuit as well as uh, high school. Now, when I mean some people actually in Lansing might not even know the jersey side of it at this point because you guys have uh, you guys have a store now where you guys have apparel um just everyday kind of sports apparel to even some lifestyle stuff i mean when did that yeah. aspect of the business come come to play yeah so the whole the whole business was built on doing basketball uniforms obviously now we do football soccer track volleyball everything but why because i know how basketball uniforms should look feel you know everything and, I was, and that's, that's where my relationships were built but right. even when we first started you know we just, I just got a whole bunch of t-shirts printed up and you know at the time i was still going to michigan state playing with the guys so i would give them t-shirts to get family mm-hmm. friends just to kind of get the, the name and the word out there and uh you know even, i mean our first store i mean we did uniforms but uh, you know that's back up we were selling the, the tall tees you know through you know three for ten right, right. You know, white black tees so uh and, and originally the first store was uh, i had one mother she sold uh uh, men's and women, you know, like, like, you know, church crowd, you know, she saw oils and stuff like that. So she had a store and I just had an office where we did our uniforms. And then, uh, that was on, uh, Pleasant Grove and Homes when we had our store over there. Okay. And then she stopped to go to the store and then we started doing more retail, different t-shirts, hoodies, uh, and so forth. But, uh, yeah, now we had the three stores, the two here in Lansing and, uh, you know, one in Southfield, but uniform is business still 65% of our business. We've been able to grow tremendously from the retail side of things. And it's, it's really, you know, uh, you know, starting to catch up with the uniform side, but uniform side of business really what, uh, what, what the business was founded on. So it's kind of two, two businesses in one. We had a retail side of things and we had a uniform side of things. Now, one of my, uh, one of my main questions I try to ask on uh, every podcast when I talk to especially like different entrepreneurs is, um, and, and obviously you've already mentioned the basketball portion, but did you ever have to have a nine to five to, to survive? Did you ever, you know, work odds and ends? Um, you know, because I know, like you said, as a professional ball player, I mean, it doesn't always pay the best. You know, you yeah. get to do what you love, but especially internationally, I mean, we know it doesn't pay all that great. So, you know, did you have to work nine to fives or did you rely on Moneyball to bring in your income? Yeah, no, the, uh, the only job I really had to have was back in my college days. I worked for Pepsi as a merchandiser, so I used to go throughout the city and stock the shelves or whatnot. But, uh, no, I was able to, you know, make good money playing over the years and I invested that money into the business. And... Uh, I, I stopped playing when I when I was ready. I didn't I didn't stop because of injury or because I was forced out. So I wanted to make sure I grew the business to the point where once I got done playing, that can go right to the business and, and have that going. So it, it could take care of me and pay the bills or whatnot. So uh, I was able to grow it over those years and just go right from playing into uh, into running the business. So I didn't have to go get a nine to five or anything like that. Yeah, and I know, and I like how you mentioned too, I mean, networking has been huge for you, like you said. I mean, just yeah. making sure you maintain relationships because, I mean, just being a good Absolutely. person, being a kind soul, you know, can come back and, and definitely help when, you're, when you, uh, you know, have good friends and can kind of lean on people. So I think that's pretty cool. So it kind of leads into my next question was, do you, are you in business with anyone else? Like, are you sole 100% owner of Moneyball or um, is there co-owners with you? Yep, no, man, got it, got it out the mud, man, dolo, man. So, uh, it's been just just been me. Obviously, I have a, a great team that's helped me grow the business because you can't do anything alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't got any uh, I haven't, I haven't gotten involved where I don't have a, have a partner or nobody 
owns any percentage of business, I own it 100%. Mm -hmm. Now, not to get uh, too personal, but again, because this is an entrepreneur podcast, we just like to kind of ask questions like this. So now, like you said, 100% of the money was invested um, from you, or did you have to get loan? Did you get loans to, to start the business? No, no, all, like, I, like I said, I invested, man, all my earnings from playing uh, right into the business. And like I said, so it's been gradual. Like, you know, we've been in business 18 years. I mean, you may hear some people that, uh, there may be some people that just heard about Moneyball or some people that feel that uh, Moneyball just blown up, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying, kind of on a local level as a recent, but, you know, it's been an 18-year ground. We're almost 20 years deep. Mm -hmm. So the success you see is really taking time, and it's, it's been built. Like, it's not been too fast-paced where we couldn't keep up. Keep up. We've been able to strategically grow the business uh, year after year. Now, looking back, do you um, – is it easy to say that you like the progression as, you know um, – you know, like you said, from year to year, or do you look back and say, man, maybe if I did, you know, like over time, did other people try to invest or did other people say, hey man, like I want to go in with you or I want to get money, I want to invest in it? No, well, you know, when I first started out, you know, I had friends and people that, I, you know, gave my idea to and they wanted to do, but you know, during those time, ain't no money coming in. So it's just a, well, it's, it's a real grind. Like, you know, that's why I tell anybody when, you, when you're starting a business, uh, do something that you love, that passion for, because the money not gonna come right away, you know what I'm saying? It, it just ain't gonna happen. I mean, you gotta you gotta invest money into it, rather you're out of your own or from someone else. Uh, you gotta invest those dollars into it. So early on, when I was talking to people, you know, what I'm saying some of my friends, you know, it was just and, and, and rightfully so, it's tough. I mean, if you're going six months a year without making any money, and you know, okay, when I'm start making money, people got you know families and and bills, and so they need to pay. So uh, no, I just grinded out. Uh, and, and then you know, I'm a firm believer, just like you know, Dame Dash is talk about you know. Investing that money right back into the business. I mean, you, you know, you see people that make you know thousands of dollars, whatever, and then go spend it on different stuff. And now you can be in the whole business wise. Whereas, you know, once we, you know, making a hundred thousand dollars, investing that right back in the business, five hundred thousand right back in the business. So that way, the business keep growing. So you really can't fully enjoy financially the fruits of your labor. But the, it's the end goal. It's not just to, you know, be rich or you know have a lot of money this year and five years. I'm looking at the, the long term goals. Right. And I, I think that's, again, another thing to point out and that we point out, we pointed out on a couple other podcasts, too. It's just like, yeah, it's not a get rich quick scheme. You know, like you said, it's building a business is all about passion and just, you know, understanding that, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. And, and that's why, again, I mean, some businesses don't succeed. It's just unfortunate because they they're they're expecting money quick um, and, you know, it's a grind. And so that's why I salute you for, like you said, 18 years. Yeah, we live in a microwave society where. Everybody wants it right now, you know what I'm saying? It's no it's no patience, you know what I'm saying? But to me, you know, slow grind is better than no grind and that's right. how, that's the way I look. It keeps you going too. I mean, it gives you something to to wake up to every day. I mean, uh you oh, hear so many people that, you know, that accidentally got rich quick and they don't know what to do. I mean, actually you can look at professional athletes are kind of a good example cuz I mean, they get relatively rich pretty quick. Um, yeah. you know, the the grind through high school, middle school and all that stuff, but like some of these guys are signing millions and millions and millions. And I think it's gotten better over the last few years of financial um, advisory and stuff for um, the young guys now. But like probably, what, 10, 20, 25 years ago, like a lot of these guys were signing million dollar contracts. And you hear the stories of them just they were just blowing their money because they didn't know what to do with it. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I think uh, especially in the in the black community, financial literacy is something that we're not taught. I mean, I was victim of it. Uh, you know, my first year I went overseas, uh, I came home with 40 grand. I thought I was a millionaire, yeah. you know what I'm saying? 
bought, I bought me a 2001 expedition at the time. Went down to Miami, bought out for a month. Yeah. Went to LA, bought out for a month. Then I was broke. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. You know, sometimes you got to go through it in order to get to right. it. I mean, if you never even talk about talk talk about money, then you know you got to teach yourself or experience some tough times is going to make you, uh, you know, spend and save better. So, uh, unfortunately, we don't get taught that. You know, from the things that you know, we don't have mentors or, or people that teach us along the way. Where you got to bump your head, and then hopefully, when you bump your head, you learn. But some people bump their head and keep bumping it until they're broke. Well, I think that's a kind of a, a good uh, transition into kind of that mentoring and stuff. I mean. Um, you're known in the community too for kind of doing things like you said from coaching and different things like that so kind of um, we, we spoke a little bit about Moneyball just now but kind of speak a little bit on on that other aspect of your life where the coaching the mentoring and kind of the other things that you've done uh, aside from playing and aside from the Moneyball sportswear yeah uh, you know especially my my last few years of playing I was pretty much always a captain of my team and almost like a co- coach player and you know which funny I and in coaching because people some of my coaches always told me that you're going to be a coach you're going to be a coach and I was like no nah, I ain't going to be no coach I ain't going to be a coach and and really you know uh, coaching wasn't a goal of mine it was just a unique situation uh for my, my coach Johnny Jones who you know had been yeah, saying he's going to retire yeah ever since I was in high school he said he's going to retire but he stayed around and you know to see where the program had got to how 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 bad it got because in my opinion you know Everett is the basketball school in the city of Lansing, when you talk about, you know, uh, guys have been able to play college and professional basketball. And it's just bad as it was. It kind of hurt me to see it. So during my last year of uh, playing, I knew I was about to retire. I called Coach Jones and, you know, I asked him what he was going to do or whatever. And then I came back and I coached under him for a year and, uh, you know, taking over. But uh, I, coaching wasn't a lifelong goal of me. It was just, one, I'm passionate about my alma mater. For two, uh, I love the game of basketball. For me, one of the biggest things I loved about the game of basketball was the camaraderie and relationships I've been building, you know, I could be overseas in Germany for two months and play with a couple Americans and we have a lifelong relationship. So that's kind of what I miss from playing and then being able to coach the kids that ever they, they kind of gave me that. But it was also a challenge. You know, I like like I like building the business. Uh, I like to, you know, I like to, you know, build never, you know, basketball back up because, you know, prior to me coaching uh over a four year period ever was, you know, uh what, twelve and seven ten and seventy two over a four year period. So I'm like, this is not ever basketball, this is how it should be. So you know, my first year we only won five games. My second year we only won six games. But then we went to 24 and went to the you know Breslin two years in a row. So that was that was kind of my way of you know giving back to my school and giving back to the city. Like, look, you know, this is this how every basketball should be. And I always said uh, I had a five-year plan. If if I was still coaching after five years, then the business wasn't growing like it should. Uh, and then if I stopped playing, if I stopped coaching after five years, that mean the business was growing. So one thing I didn't want to do, I didn't want to cheat the business. Or I didn't want to cheat the cheat the kids either because. You know, then our final four, uh, our two final four brethren trips, I mean, I was getting calls on the bus about uniforms and stuff like that where, you know, I had to put off the business because I have this is a once-a-lifetime opportunity. I got to make sure I get my players the full detailed attention. I didn't want to half do it, so I uh, obviously had to step down. But, I mean, I think it's I think it's very important. I mean, over the last 17 years, we've done a free basketball clinic right here for all the kids in Lansing. And those things I'm passionate about because I feel whenever you have any type of success, you should always give back to what you come from. And that's just what it's about for me, you know. Uh, yeah, the, the money, you know, all that is good, but to, you know, I, I get a joy out of being able to teach and show a kid something and they really uh, put it to use and have fun. And you can see the, the joy on their face. Like that that brings joy to me. So that's what it's all about, you know, as far as us giving back, you know, and that's one of the pillars of our Moneyball sports where, I mean, obviously from uniforms that we do custom customization, uh, we got good turnaround. 
your price point, but community is big for us as well. I mean, when you talk about the money of money, money ball program that we've been, we've been doing the last 17 years, which is free to the public as well. So those are our ways of, of giving back. And then uh, when I'm able to come in contact with some people that's passionate about doing something and, you know, may want to start a business or have any questions or any way I can help, it's only right that I, you know, get back some of that game that I've been able to experience and learn over the years. Now, did you, do you relate that to, did you have a mentor growing up? Like, where did you get that within, were you born with that kind of um, thought? Or did you have role models that growing up that you were like, man, like I love how he gives back or I love those type of things. I mean, where did that come from for you? Yeah, yeah. you know, obviously growing up in a single parent home, uh, I didn't have my father around, but I had some great coaches that kind of filled that void. And, it, you know, even, you know, when we talk about the free basketball clinic, you know, when I came up, I was going to Dr. Tucker's basketball clinic. Mm-hmm. And that was my first, uh, that was the first time I was able to touch it and feel NBA players, whether it be Steve Smith or yeah. Sean King or Oscar Robinson. Or, you know, all these players are coming back here in Lansing, Michigan. They may be like, oh, dang, that looks like something I can do, you know what I'm saying, because I can touch field. So when it comes from, like, the free basketball clinic, like, I, you know, I, I get that strictly from, from from Dr. Tucker, man, you know, the things. And even he had a paid camp. He gave hundreds of scholarships every year to kids that couldn't afford it. So that's what it was all about. And then we talk about the Money Bar Pro-Am, uh, uh, my guy Glove out of Detroit. You know, growing up in growing up uh, in my years playing ball, I either had to play at St. Cecilia or down in the Flint program. You know, Lance didn't have a program. And I just knew that, you know, with Lansing being there, there smack in the middle of the state of Michigan, as well as a lot of basketball players and enthusiasts, it would be great if we could have a, a, a program here. So my man Glove taught me how to how to run a program, and then you know, that took off. So, uh, yeah, I've been able to gain things from, you know, people in the – in a community uh, or, you know, just some of the coaches that I've been to play for over the years. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that program. Let's go a little bit more into that because, again, that that's something, again, now, again, besides the jerseys, like I said, I mean, you guys are growing so much that I think so many people, again, they, they might not even realize the jersey thing anymore. Like I said, they, they see the yeah. sports. I mean, you're doing so much now that it, it's just so cool how you guys have brought in. I mean, that program is just, again, like you said, it's blown up. I mean, the amount of people that play in that is just – it's awesome, and uh, I remember seeing one time, what was cool is CBS Sports. Um, I got, like, a notification, you know, on, on my uh, phone, and it said something about, like, either Miles Bridges or Draymond Green, something at Pro-Am, at Moneyball Pro-Am, and that was, like, yeah. CBS Sports, and it was just like, man, like, that's dope, you know? And then, um, yeah, so, I mean, just talk a little bit more about the Pro-Am and just, again, a little bit more details on how, like you said, it started and, and yeah. where you're at with it. I mean- uh, another one of those things, uh, another one of those things where it's been a grind. I mean, program is 17 years, you know, you know, like I said, it's got a lot of notoriety last, you know, three, four years in, in particular when, you know, Miles Bridges, you know, he's, he's a highlight real way to have yeah. it. But we, we started that, we started that this summer after uh, my stint with the Portland Trailblazers, so 04. So we've been doing it ever since. And, you know, I had to do it a little different than, than most programs because like down in Detroit, the program is built off pro players where in Lansing, we didn't have a lot of pro players. So I had to build around college guys. So when I first started, I went down and sat with Izzo and like, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. And, you know, would you let allow your guys to play? And once he said, yes, that's kind of where it took off because so many people come see, whether it be the incoming MSU freshmen, you know, MSU starters, their MSU players, former MSU players. And, you know, it was a, it was a point in time I was about to pull the plug on it because it wasn't what I wanted to be. I mean, we used, to, we used to play on weekends, and we were switching from Everett Gym to Sexton Gym to Harry Hill to Patton Gill, so we didn't have a 
consistent gym and we did it on the weekends and you know summertime weekends everybody want to travel or get away so it wasn't you know uh the, the players weren't committed coming consistently you know we probably had 20 people in the stands you know not, not no fans or anything like that and i was thinking about pulling the plug and i said you know i'm gonna give it a go one more time so we switched it to tuesday and thursdays because you know nothing going on in lansing during the week right. and then we were able to find a gym and aim high that we could be at every summer so people could recognize okay this is what a program is going to be and then it it took off it's funny because uh you know, uh, I ran to Draymond at the airport. This is right when he leaving Michigan State when he was going doing workouts. And, you know, we were talking about how can we make the, you know, program, you know, bang and, you know, saying more people involved and everything. And, you know, he was instrumental, like, early on, even when he, his first couple of years when he was in the NBA, he was coming back to play in the program. Mm-hmm. And that really helped us grow. And then you take a guy like Miles Bridges, who's, uh, you know, he's the, he's the perfect uh, open gym, you know, summer league type of guy with the, with the, you know, highlights he can do and, you know, you know, like I said, Ballers Life and CBS and all this stuff, you know, and then it goes viral. And, then, you know, so it's, you know, it's like the business. It's grown over time or, you know, it was kind of slow. Like, like when I first started coaching Everett, you know what I'm saying, we was taking them L's. But, you know, that's kind of the history of me. Like I like I like building things up and, and, and nothing nothing for me come easy or come overnight. It's been a it's, it's been a, a real grind. So we was probably in year, we've been doing the program, what, 17 years? So I was probably in year 10 when I was about to, close the doors on it and then right when I was about to close the doors you know it, it kind of took off and that's a lesson not only for me but for others as well I mean when you put so much time so much grind into it it's a lot of people that stop doing it right before they receive their blessing like you know expecting that's going to be right there but if you go through those tough moments and that grind like eventually that grind gonna pay off now I mean that that's I mean you're exactly kind of the prime example of that and of what an entrepreneur like you said is because I mean, that's exactly what it is. And you see almost all successful entrepreneurs say exactly what you said. I mean, you go through those years of struggle and yeah. then you get to, um, it, you turn that corner and it seems like there's always that pivotal moment um, in the entrepreneur's kind of grind or a journey where it's like, do I close the door? Do I stop? Do yeah. I do this? And I think that's that defining moment. And some take it, some go, you know what? I'm gonna keep going, and then some, you know, unfortunately, you know, have to for whatever reason close the doors. But um, no, I mean that's definitely uh, tremendous. Uh, kudos to you, man, just on on everything that you've built. Um, I gotta ask though, so how how do you just walk up to Tom Izzo, or how do you just get a how do you get a an appointment with Tom Izzo? Did you you know? Tom I mean, well, uh, yeah, no, nah, he uh, my senior at Everett he, towards the end he recruited me. Okay. And then uh, you know, I went to I was end up at University of Trimmer, but we beat we beat Michigan State three years in a row. Okay. And, you know, I had I was able to come down here present and, and beat them and then uh they always allowed me, even through the summers as a as a pro, uh allowed me to go out there and work out all the time. So, you know, I knew the code to the locker room and stuff and it was mm-hmm. you know time like I might go out there at midnight, get on the shooting gun, get some shots up, you know, get some work in. So it was always that relationship being in the backyard. So I, I appreciate them always allowing me to come home in a sense and, you know, play pickup with the guys and work out, do everything else. So that's kind of where that relationship is it started. So, you know, obviously some of the guys in the state, you know, like my team, like a brother to me, and, you know, all the guys that uh, played in Michigan State over the years, we, we've had some type of relationship in particular with them playing the program. But, yeah, I, I know him well enough to be able to get a meet and sit down with him, you know, and, you know, with his blessing, that's when uh, – and once Michigan State came on board, you know, Oakland University came on board, Western Michigan, Central Michigan. So, like I said, we built that around the college guys. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a point in time in your in your career, uh, as far as an entrepreneur goes, where um, you don't maybe have a relationship with somebody like Tom Izzo, and that you've had to just kind of, you know, put your big boy pants on and just be like, you know what, like if he, if they turn me down, whatever, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for it, or 
know, uh, or have you had, you know, pretty good success with networking with people? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, networking doesn't actually come natural to me. Like, you know, growing up, I was always kind of laid back, you know, saying a little shy, you know, saying, but business has made me be more, more outspoken. And, and uh, but, you know, even like if I'm going into a, a school where nobody knows me, knows the business and I'm trying to put them on uniforms, like I'm, I don't I'm not a salesman, but mm -hmm. our, what we have sells itself. You know, when you right. talk about the quality, what we have, we talk about our price and we talk about our turnaround, those things kind of sell itself. But anytime I have a conversation, I'm always trying to find a, a common ground or, you know, something that makes somebody kind of perk up a little bit and, you know, rather be my, my background in, in sports or, you know, what I've done coaching or business or, you know, basketball plans or something like I try to find something that where I'm talking to can resonate with and kind of go from there. Now, have you been able to be with the same manufacturer? Like, you, cause you're mentioning the turnaround, you're mentioning the quality. So like, have you been with the same manufacturer and kind of, kind of helped make the manufacturing better or like, it, you know, tell me a little bit about how you are with the manufacturer you're currently using. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, we have manufacturers out for uniforms. we got various manufacturers for, for retail, but I'll start off with the uniform. So, uh, when I first started, the only manufacturer I had was in the Philippines and, uh, uh, you know, sometimes in the Philippines, there's not throughout the year, Philippines have some really bad weather, almost like uh, tsunamis and right, all that right, stuff. Yeah. Uh, there was a time where it was, you know, I was really getting delayed and weren't able to turn things around. And it made me think like, damn, what if my manufacturer no longer exists or they, you know, shut down, like my business would be shut down. So those problems made me say, okay, now I have to get other manufacturers. Not only do I have to get other manufacturers, but I get I got to get other other manufacturers in different countries as well. Because even if I got another manufacturer in the Philippines, like I said, if they have a, a world disaster, my business is done. Right. So that that made me uh, start looking in China for some manufacturers. That started making me look in Pakistan for manufacturers. I was able to have multiple manufacturers just in case uh, something went bad. And even from a retail standpoint, now we deal. You know, a lot of a lot of stuff is uh, in China and Asia. Uh, you know, as we continue to get our own branded products as opposed to getting other items and just printing or, or embroidery on Now, without giving your secret sauce, how do you go about finding the manufacturers? Man, it's, uh, well, in the early days, uh, I would always go out to the Magic Show. So the Magic oh, yeah, Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah Magic. Yeah. Out, yeah, yeah, twice a year in, uh, in Vegas, they, mm -hmm. in February and in August. I, was, I would always go to end of August. So you know, biggest, you know, clothing commission. And uh, I mean, that's back like when, you know, Sean John and Fat Farm and everybody was, but, and that was cool in finding Danny, but I was going there for the manufacturing. So they have a, they have this part, part where they call sourcing. That's where all the manufacturers are. So I go down there and, you know, my notebook and everything and sit down and meet and write notes and, you know, prices and all that stuff. But that's how, kind of how we got started earlier. But now, I mean, just being real, like I, my email just get flooded with, I don't know how they find my yeah, email or all that stuff. I get I get emails from every country, every manufacturer is. So uh, most of them I delete, but every once in a while I might see something that, that you know uh, you know spark my interest, and I may reply and go back and forth. But uh, some of the manufacturers that I have now have been doing a great job. And different manufacturers specialize in different things. Right, right. But uh, yeah, Magic was a very Magic Show was very important for me uh, during those early years to find some manufacturers. No, that's cool. And, and like you said, so and you've actually had to transition. So how did how did you go from designing basketball uniforms to designing football and other sports again are you are you i guess i should say are you the one designing them or do you have designers like where you like I, you said I would, like to say I, am, I would like to say i am but i'm not uh, uh -huh. 
Uh-huh. Man, I was uh, we have a great design. I was I was blessed, man, uh to like our t- the team of people I got have have pretty kind of kind of fallen in my lap in a sense. Like I haven't had to go out there and kind of have to recruit talent and stuff like that. But uh our our head designer, Jeffrey Sykes, he was at Central Michigan. And at the time we did a we did a throwback uniform you know, from the University of Detroit Mercy and it was a uh, Dick Dick Vitale used to coach at U U D and they would name the court after him and all that stuff. So we did a throwback uniform back when he coached and it made you know, made big time news and got on some uh, 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 a website called Uni Watch, a uniform watch or something like that. And Jeff at the time he just seen that we had the, our uniform was on there because they what they have on there is like, you know, some really good uniforms or really bad uniforms right, they kinda right. talk about. And, uh, because it was an old school uniform, we got some of the good, we got some of the bad. Right. But he seen that we were located in Lance, so he just called us and then he said, you know, he didn't know how big or small we was. He called and I answered the phone. And he was yeah. like, Oh, I'm talking more. So yeah, you know, he asked for an intern and you know, gave him his background. So he worked he was at Central Michigan by the by the graduate, but uh he specialized in design and textiles, which was which is great. So we get a call about an intern, I'm like, sure, you want to design uniform? We got you. So it was a great it was a great for that summer and then he graduated in December and then I hired him full time and it just so happened that he's really passionate about making uniforms, all sports. And he has more of a soccer background, which has allowed us to grow in the mm-hmm. soccer. And he was like a, a equipment manager at Central Michigan for the football program. So therefore, he knew he knew the specs and everything how a football uniform is supposed to be. So you know, it went from basketball to football and soccer to, and then you know, I get people. I try to involve people with that. You know, uh, that's an expert in, in that field. You know, rather. I have some homeboys and folks I know that used to run, run track at a high level. Okay, how these track uniforms look, how they feel, what 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 adjustments we need to make. So a lot of it is is trial and error. But uh, yeah, we at a point now where we can do all sports. Now, do you um, do you have like a running list of like how many states you're in, or like do you keep tabs on on all yeah, that stuff? You know, when people ask me, they're like, man, how many uniforms do y'all do, or how many different states? And we used to have it on our. Uh, we used to have it on our website, a whole bunch of teams. I think we took it off. We took it off, but I haven't kept track of that in a couple of years. So, man, we everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't think of a state that we haven't done uniforms for a team or you know something. Yeah. Now I gotta ask too. I mean, 2020. I mean, what's it? What's COVID and what's all this been? You know, how have you navigated through this? A, a trying year that for a lot of people it's been it's been tough. Yeah, man, it's been it's been tough. Uh, and keep in mind, I started this business based on sport uniforms. Mm-hmm. So I said, this is a business that's going to be still here when I'm dead and gone. I didn't want I didn't want to do so-called urban clothing line where it's trendy, a la Fat Farm, Sean John and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. they made a they made a big impact and a lot of money in a short amount of time, but they really don't exist now. Like I wanted something that can exist when I'm dead and gone that I can give to my son or you know, my loved ones and keep the business going. And I never envisioned sports not existing. So you imagine with COVID-19, that that took a big hit on us. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of our biggest seasons is AAU season. And that happened right around, and spring sports. I mean, whether it be baseball, softball, soccer, you know, all, you know, track, like those are spring sports that we do well in high school level. And that was cut. And like I said, the uniform business is 65% of our business. So yeah. that's a majority of our business in a sense. And so it, it made me go back to the drawing table. Like, man, like we don't got no, you know, no uniforms coming in. This is a big time. Like, you know, this is a time here that you're predicting and expecting a certain amount of income to come in. Mm-hmm. And not only that, now you talk about the retail side of things, we had to close all three stores. Right. So it's like, man, like business is shut down. 
and it made me okay what what can i like i I got something we got something what do i do so that made me go directly online i mean you know people talk about retail and brick and mortar stores and how everything is moving toward online yes that's true but i feel if you have the right business like brick and mortar will always be you know a a part of the game unless you're just a big box and got a whole bunch of store that's different i think the big box stores will end up dying down and and that's not going to be the thing that's going on but uh, it, it forces. We've been doing solid online. You know, we we have online sales. And I, I always want more, but uh, we weren't doing as good as I wanted to. So I put all my focus. Couldn't couldn't focus on uniform, you know, retail open. So I put all the focus on online sales, and it just our online sales took off. You know, I think uh, from the standpoint that people couldn't go out and people sitting at home shopping, and on top of uh, people getting them checks. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. couldn't yeah. couldn't put the money in their pocket. Right. And then a lot of people made a a valid effort to shop with back business as well. Right. So I think all that. All that kind of helped us. So we actually seen a growth in our retail side, a, big, a huge growth once COVID came. You know, uniforms are uniforms. I mean, sports don't exist. It's been tough. It's, it's definitely taken taken a hit. But the retail side of things has really grown in 2020, which is a plus. We just now we have to just get both up and running at, at full capacity. So what do you see for 2021? Kind of what, what what's the what's the game plan? What's the goal for 2021? Keep keep focusing on online or. You know what's that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, uh, continue to grow online sales as well as you know people. You know, we've been open. We've been, we've been back open since June. I've been a retail store. We've been able to open okay. the whole time, but we were shutting down for two and a half months. So, uh, from a retail standpoint, the goal is always to get as much foot traffic in all three of our stores, uh, as well as increase online sales, and then uniform is obviously to be able to you know as opposed to when, like we were talking high schools. Our goal is no longer just to go off the basketball team as a basketball coach. We want to be able to talk to the ADs and get the whole school and all their sports. So those are you know, our two goals that we're looking for in 2021 once sports can get back going. But uh, heavy emphasis on retail. We have a lot of new products and items that we're about to drop and you know, excited about you know, what the future holds for us. That's cool. And, and then so brick and mortar, is that kind of – did you – pre-COVID, were you thinking about expanding stores or – are you still thinking about you know expanding stores? Yeah, yeah, we uh we're working on some things. Uh, you know, right now obviously we have a store on the west side of Lansing, uh, on Saginaw Way. Then we in the Meridian Mall, uh, and and obviously we, we, we lease and rent both of them. But the, the ultimate goal is is uh is is, is ownership. So we want to be able to own our own building. So that's something that we're working on, uh, with the goal to be able to have our own in, in 2022. Because you know it takes a while. But right. yeah, we want to we want to continue to strategically grow we don't want to just drop a store somewhere just right. just for the look of your growing but even my guy who runs our Southfield store he's from Atlanta and we've been able to gain momentum down Atlanta even you know Chicago we did a pop-up for the NBA All-Star weekend down there so we were trying to do some right. things in Chicago we got some feet on the ground so anywhere we can get some feet on the ground because you can't just drop a store anywhere right. and not have any momentum to be a dud so mm-hmm. uh, you have to you have to build up that, that hype and momentum wherever you go now um for you guys do you guys wholesale at all like, do you do you nope. no wholesale? No, nope. uh, yeah, I'm in. The, I'm from the. I'm from the Nipsey Hustle. Uh, you know, saying state of mind. You know, cut out the middleman. You know, okay. what I'm saying. Uh, uh, I mean, I would love to get to get to that level eventually, but right now where we at, the demand isn't high enough to include a middleman because if we're if we're buying something for ten dollars and sell, selling at forty dollars, you know, we want the forty dollars as opposed to twenty five dollars. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, the, the the goal is to be able to you know, distribute everything ourselves, And, you know, it, it, to compete with the big boys, it, it may get to a point where we all have to wholesale, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're not there yet. 
I think it kind of gives you like that exclusivity too, though. Still, it'll help yeah. build the online because it's like, oh, where do I get it? Like, you know, you yeah. got it, you know. I mean, you it's, it's it. sort of like, you know, yeah, I like to study all kind of brands that come with It's sort of like, you know, Supreme, you know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. just can't go buy Supreme anywhere, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, it, 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 you can't just get it anywhere at any time. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, that's why the resale stuff online and stuff is so high, but, you know, being exclusive, you know, has its pluses, depending mm-hmm. on how big you want to grow as well. Now, um, you know, you stopped coaching and all that stuff. Is is any of that back on, you know, your mind? Uh, is there a game plan? Well, to get... No, no, you're no, done? Sir. Yeah, no, no, I don't. Uh, I mean, you never say never, though, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Unless my son able to, you know, get me out of retirement or something like that. But no, no, no real goals or aspirations of, uh, of coaching. You know, I, I love waking up every day thinking about and grinding with, you know, grinding with the money football bills. So that's kind of, that's where everything is for me. No, I think it's cool what you did with the the program too, though. I mean that, I mean, because again, I t- I'm, I take pride in being from Everett, you know, too, as far as sports. I was a ba- I was mainly a baseball player, so um, but obviously I yeah. played basketball too, and um, yeah, to see kind of the struggles that the the program went through. Because my brother was in school, he graduated in '06. He didn't play basketball, but I went to the Brez and watched Andre Collins and Derek Nelson and G. You know, I, I watched them win, you know, the titles. So. Um, you know, it was prideful and it just, yeah, it just kind of seemed like, you know, unfortunately the program kept going down and then to see the revamp when you went in there, it was cool to again to watch, you know, I still see updates and stuff. So, so seeing these guys succeed and see you guys have such success was, it was cool. And like you said, it's, it's cool to be able to give back or, you know, do something for your hometown. Um, and, and so do you have plans again, not to coach necessarily, but of just other ways to give back to Lansing, whether it be more camps or um, scholarships or just anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of one of my goals that I that I haven't fully done that I need I should have been done is uh, I want I want to be able to have a foundation that can uh, do different things, a nonprofit mm-hmm. foundation that can that can do different things as far as scholarships or you know helping those in need, and we'll always continue to do our free basketball clinic and the program and stuff like that, but. Uh, it's more of that that I want to be able to do uh, as we continue. I, I think, you know, uh, uh, end goal is to be able to make enough money where philanthropy is, is, is something that I do on a, on a daily and weekly basis. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I mean, shoot, I, I, that's something I like too. You know, I don't know if it's being from Lansing that makes you want to give back just because, you know, I moved to Florida now, so I live in Florida now. Um, uh, down in, uh, by Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I live down there. Me and my wife. Um, she's from Lansing too. Lansing. Ever. We both moved down. And um, yeah, it's just you know I've always wanted to give back. You know I don't know if it's because Lansing has been so kind of less fortunate uh, of years, especially because my parents both worked at G- General Motors. So I kind of got my grind from them. Yeah. You know they went and worked a factory job every day. You know and provided you know good for us. It was good, but it wasn't easy. You know working a factory job. So I saw like oh, you got to work hard to make money. You know, and then for my brother, I learned the entrepreneurship and all that stuff. But yeah, unfortunately, when GM left, you know, Lansing is just kind of slowly, yeah. slowly even going downhill. So, you know, definitely, I think giving back and trying to get the education system and having an education from Everett too. you know, like you said, um, you know, it's just it's nice to give back to those kind of where you came from. So we actually started a, a scholarship fund in my brother's name because my brother, unfortunately, passed away um, in 2015 in a car accident. And um yeah, so we, we um, we're working with um, uh, well, COVID hit this year, so we won't be able to to do it. But next year, yeah, we'll be giving away the first scholarship 
Um, we're working with Miss um, Collins at Everett, um, the art yep, teacher. So, yep, yep. Yep. I love Miss <laughs> Collins. Yeah. So we're going to be working with her to get uh, some students, um, you know, to give a scholarship because we were uh, my brother was into arts and graphic design and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we want to get back to, to somebody related to that. But, yeah, just that feeling of, you know, it's it gets to be in his name, but to be able to give back, um, you know, is going to feel good. Um, and I think that's definitely what it's about, um, whether you're successful, non-successful, um, you know, or however you may want to deem it. Like you said, success, success necessarily isn't about how much money you have. It's just, you know, how right. happy you are, how passionate you are. And yeah. I think if you're able to give back one way or the other, whether it's with a ton of money or just resources or mentoring or anything, I think that's kind of the name of the game, at least for me. And it sounds like for you also, just, you know, that's what yeah. it's about. Yeah, especially yeah, whenever you get a chance to dedicate that time, you know what I'm saying? That's the thing. When you can give your time to something that you're passionate about that, that makes you happy, then that's that's success right there in the soul. Yes, sir. Um, I like to kind of uh, also do some questions. So we'll, we'll do some, like, lists. So uh, we'll start with who are the three people um, who have been most influential to you? So it doesn't necessarily have to be business people. It doesn't have to be, you know, whoever. Just kind of in life and in business, who, who would be kind of three people who have been most influential to you? Uh, I'll say number one, my mother, uh, my cousin Stevie, who's just a man's man, great man, great husband, father, mm-hmm. uh, and those are those are people I grew up. I can I can touch, I can feel, I can talk to that conversation. Then those that are, even though I've had conversation with this person, Matt, I would say Magic Johnson. You know, uh, yeah. I had a really good conversation with him, and uh, still my bucket list is to be able to. You know, COVID kind of messed everything up, but I want to be out. I want to get out there and I want to shout them around for a few days and yeah. got a relationship and everything to know how to, to, to maybe do that. Uh, and and as much as I love what he's done as an athlete, I love him more what he's been able to do from a business standpoint and mm-hmm. being from hometown is uh so that's one of like my my bucket list thing. But I probably say those three, you know, two people that I you know can touch, feel, talk to anytime, and then someone else that has allowed me to dream beyond last. Yeah, Magic definitely, uh, was he now the only person to have, like, uh, win championships with, like, three different sports teams or whatever, owning WNBA, NBA, and MLB? So, I mean. Yep, that's crazy, yep. And that's what it is. It's about, you know, buying, he bought, you know, invested in the businesses, and just, yeah, that, I mean, he's definitely taking it to another level with that, owning, (laughs) I don't know how many people can say they own portions of three different professional teams. He's one of few of, or, or the only yeah exactly and like you said that's pretty cool to be able to say like you know he graduated he came from you know where we came from yeah um another one would be what are some uh what are some resources kind of that have helped you along the way so whether it be books you know google um you know leaning on somebody that's already done it before like where have you kind of got some of your knowledge over the years or was it just you know you can't you know where where have you gotten some of the knowledge from resources? Yeah, first and foremost, uh, what you said, books, man. Like I, outside of school, man, I never cared to read anything. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Uh, but my favorite uh, rap artist is Nas. Okay. So Nas had a song uh, called "Black Girl Lost," mm-hmm. and he did an interview and you know talked about where he got the name from the book and author. Come to find out, this is the time I was at you know going to college in you know, in Detroit in the dorm, and the author was Donald Goins, who's from Detroit. So, because of my love, my love for you know Nas music and music and everything, uh, I went and read Black Girl Lost. But then I read up on Donald Gunn's and I read all his novels. So, he he had a whole bunch of novels that were fiction based, which I don't, don't really care to read fiction now. But mm-hmm. at that time, it was based on 
stories of the inner city of Detroit and the street life and all that stuff. And I read on that, but that kind of got my love and passion for reading. And from there, you know, I pretty much like reading autobiographies or, you know, self-help books and stuff. But I really like reading about successful people rather than Henry Ford and how they've been successful, mm-hmm. uh, rather than, a, a, you know, Magic Johnson or a professional athlete or musician or scientist, whatever, because, you know, as you as you continue to read, you see everybody has a, a common thread, rather they getting up at 5 a.m. on their grind, rather uh, the hard work, the consistency, the dedication, you know what I'm saying, the know-how, all that stuff. Uh, so book, books have, and reading has changed my life. And like I said, that didn't happen until college when I had a, began having a passion for reading and then, and then music. You know, we talk about, you know, Nas being my favorite artist, but I would say my most favorite recent uh, artist is, you know, rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle, because mm-hmm. he, he raps and talk about, even his interviews, I love his interviews, he raps and talk about uh, many things that maybe Tupac was talking about but never got a chance to do. Right. You know, the things that he was doing in, in his community, things he was building, the, the businesses, the family and friends that he was putting on and, and getting them away a life that they was living. So, like, uh, those those are probably my two inspirations in the sense of the reading and then uh, music. No, I, I definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I have to get reading more. I really do. Like, I'm, I'm 28, you know, so I feel like I'm a little behind when it comes to reading. But I've been doing some audio books and stuff recently. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to get into, you know, like you said, finding those couple books that really get me kick-started into it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll give you one book, man. Uh, it's called Goals by Brian Tracy. Definitely check that out. Right, Goals sure. by one of the books that uh, it, it kind of I always go back to that. Like it's a, it's a book you can read over and over and get different gems and kind of help you refocus and you know get everything back in order. But yeah, uh, Goals by Brian Tracy. All right, yeah, I noted that. I'll definitely get that one. Um, and then also, kind of, um, was there kind of like a, a like you said a moment of I don't want to call it necessarily failure, because uh, you kind of briefly mentioned there was a time where you thought about closing it, but was there a time where you actually did fail, and, and you kind of, it, you learned from it, though, and you were able to progress from it? Uh, Yeah, I, I guess I'll kind of talk about uh, in 2009, man, I almost had to close the doors of the business for sure, so I had some major problems manufacturing, and come to find out, uh, my head point account for my manufacturer was lying to me. Oh. So I always had a, great, had a great relationship where, you know, at, at the time I had, I was doing business for seven years, never met my manufacturer face to face, but, you know, Western Union money, send money mm-hmm. through the bank, everything was always great. And it got to a point where I was sending thousands, thousands of dollars and my orders weren't coming back in time. They kept telling me next week, next week, next week. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing, I'm telling my customers that we have available in two weeks and two weeks. So one of the great things about our uniform business is our turnaround is three to four weeks. Uh, whereas if you deal with, from a customer standpoint, you deal with Nike or whatever, they may talk three or four months. Mm-hmm. So that gives us advantage. So I had a, quite a few customers, and fortunate for me, these are people I have relationships with, uh, but that three to four weeks turned to five weeks, turned to two months, turned to three months, and I kept telling them next week, next week, next week, because that's what my manufacturer was telling me. Right. And it made me look like a liar. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing, when you're dealing, even, even through good and bad times, like you always want to be, uh, transparent and honest with your right. customers because at the end of the day they may not like it but they can respect that at the end, mm-hmm. end of the day and because of that was happening and we weren't able to get uniforms to customers and that was my only source of manufacturing at the time it was tough like it was a, you know that's you know when the, when everything crashed in 08 09 it was just a it was just a bad time so what I do I, I get on the plane I, pay, I, I go over there oh, sit wow. down talk and then while I'm there I said forget that I gotta have a plan B I meet with another manufacturer 
who come to find out was really my manufacturer. I've been dealing with since day one, and this lady had left them and did some other stuff. So it was it was crazy, and I still got a great relationship with them, uh, my main manufacturer to this day. But like I said, that was part of what made me go to other countries and stuff. But uh, yeah, it was tough because you know here I am, and you, you and I got a relationship, mm-hmm. and you got a you got a game in two weeks, and I'm telling you, you gonna have your uniform, and come game time, you don't got your uniform. And you gotta scramble and get something else, and then I'm still telling they gonna come another two weeks from there, another two weeks, and they still not coming. Then you're like, oh, there's lying. I'm not mm-hmm. dealing, you know. And that could have, if I was dealing with people that I didn't know, right. that could, you know, word of mouth is the best way to grow your business, but it, it can kill your business as well. So mm-hmm. uh, if, if that would have got out, and you know, those people that bad mouth me in the business, you know, we might not be in existence today. But I was, that was, that was probably the toughest time from a business standpoint because it was some things that was out of my control. But yes, things that could have ended my business. I mean, I think that was a gem right there where you just, I mean, you bossed up and you got on the plane and you said, all right, well, I'm coming out there. Like, I mean, that that's what it is, though, right? That's what it's about. It's like you, your, your passion was on the line. Like, you know, your passion was about to be taken from you um, at the hands of somebody else. And you said, you know what, I got to take matters into my own hand and step up and take control of the situation. And you did. And I mean, I, <laughs> That's amazing. That's an amazing story right there. Um, yeah, yeah. I commend you for that too. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, final kind of question right here, and you kind of answered some of it as far as for the books, but um, was there anything else uh, besides books? Again, maybe um, the internet. You know, did you YouTube uh, eventually? I mean, what or what do you do now, kind of to to get through things as far as. Uh, you know, if you have questions or you run into roadblocks where you need answers for things, what do you yeah, really you know? know? Yeah, like it's funny when I first started the business, while I was looking for a screen printer, I had to flip through the yellow pages, you know, right. and then find a screen printer. Now, you know, with the power of the internet and Google and everything, I mean, everything's at your fingertips. If I'm speaking with a manufacturer, I may not understand a certain term, I could just Google it mm-hmm. and send back an answer. Like, I really know what I'm talking about, you know, what I'm saying I just learned it right then and there. So, right. yeah, the power of the internet is. is is huge and definitely uh, lean on that, uh, you know, often. And, and then, you know, I, I think you always got to have that, that time and space for yourself. But, you know, I try to make sure I find uh, the proper time to pray, to meditate, uh, to get my stretching in, because all that is part of uh, the, the psyche and the mind and, and keeping that right, right and keeping it sharp. So I uh, just try to just try to do everything, uh, you know, the right way, although we be human and we fail in certain areas, but it's all about growth. It's all about, it's all about progression. That's mm-hmm. the time I live about it. If we're not progressing in shape, some shape, form, or fashion in life and business, then you know, what are we really doing? Now, how, how old are you now? I'm 43 now. 43, you still out there hooping? Man, every little moon, man. I can't, uh, I can still shoot it, but I can't do nothing else like I used to. Yeah, my man, he's, you know, I, I mean, I, I go hoop now, I'll be sore for a week. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, man, going on but uh no we were uh we got some good run in uh right when COVID first hit but then they you know last yeah. school districts waverly was playing where but they shut the, shut the gym down so it, it hasn't been since then but every blue moon get out there with the with the old heads and try to get up and down get a little cardio mm-hmm. well, no nah, man I, again i really appreciate you jumping on i think uh you know it was cool to kind of hear the story hear how you know you started the grinds the the struggles and just I think it's really inspiring what you've done, uh, especially again coming from Lansing. I mean, um, you know, me and my buddy started a clothing company, so uh, you know, I, I have a passion for clothing too, and just you know, different things like that. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's cool that 
to see other people again from Lansing where it's like they've done it or they're trying to do it and I think you know always remember where you came from um, and and that's why I want to speak to you because it's like I mean you you're right there in my neighborhood and you know where I came from so I think it would be great to have you on and I'm glad you accepted it you know I think this has been a, a good talk Yo, yeah I appreciate you reaching out man anytime uh you know a platform such as, such as hustlepreneur man it's always a yeah. good thing for you know the both of us and I, and I enjoy you know having these conversations and uh and then being able to help any you know in any shape form or fashion and that goes for the future even you know when we're done with this anything that you know you need that I can help you with then I'm, I'm here no, I appreciate that man I, I I have a funny story too about Moneyball so um my wife, um, she had moved down first because I had to finish my last year. I played uh, college ball at Olivet uh, Baseball, and uh, I had to finish my last year of school, but she got the opportunity to move down to Florida, and I said, you know, go ahead. You know, we'll do the long-distance thing for a year. Um, I obviously have to finish, but I was like, I don't want, you know, I don't want you to regret or me regret, like, saying, no, you got to stay, you know, and all that stuff. So I say, no, we'll figure it out. So um, she had came down to Florida, and she had went, I don't know, to some restaurant or some bar or something down in, in Miami Beach. And she spots a guy playing pool and he's got money ball socks on. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, like, you know, this guy's wearing money ball socks. She goes and takes a picture with him and she sends it to me. And she's just like, oh my God, like, look at this guy. He had money ball socks on. And I'm like, you know, that's Braylon Edwards, right? And she's like... <laughs> who's Braylon Edwards? And I'm like, you don't know who. So me and her dad were like giving her crap about it. We're like, dude, that's Braylon Edwards, star Michigan, you know, Michigan University football player, like all this stuff. But no, it was, she was just excited because she saw Moneyball where it's like, it's Braylon Edwards and she's taking a picture because, you know, the Moneyball socks, you know, it was just that feeling Mm -hmm. of like, wow, my hometown is, you know, somebody's wearing it in Miami. So. Small world. I mean, it's crazy because, you know, Braylon that came to me, I don't know, you know, I didn't know he knew me out of nowhere. Like, man, I watched when I was in high school that you know, I was at UD playing because he's pooping everything too. Mm-hmm. And we we knew mutual people and everything like that. So, yeah, we got him some, you know, money ball and everything. But, yeah, definitely, definitely small world, no question about it. No, I think it's cool. Um, yeah, man. So, again, I just appreciate you being on. Um, we'll kind of wrap up the interview now. Um, I'll talk to you a little bit, uh, you know, once we kind of stop the recording and, and, and wrap things up. But, again, I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for being on. And, uh, um, you know, oh, actually, first, shout out kind of some stuff right now. Um, where can they find Moneyball? What's the website? You know? Yep. Yeah, so we, we have three physical locations uh, one on the West Side of Lansing, right up the corner of Worthy and Saginaw. We have one in the Meridian Mall in Okemos. And then we have our third and newest location in Southfield, right on Southfield Road between 12 and 13 Mile Road. Uh, and obviously, you know, you can catch us everywhere on the internet, uh, moneyballsportswear.com, and our website, uh, Instagram, moneyballsportswear, uh, Twitter, I am moneyball, LinkedIn, moneyballsportswear, Facebook, moneyballsportswear. So, moneyball, now, baby. Not the way to ball. Hell, that's what I'm talking about. How, how do they find uniforms? Uniforms are on the website too. How do they reach out about getting yeah, uniforms? They have to email us. So, all the, our contact information on email because everything is custom and done from scratch for the particular customer. Uh, it's not tiplet or you know what I'm saying you just pick us out you could if you want to but we like to really get you know in custom with so they send us an email and then we take it from there well i appreciate it again uh desmond thank you for being on and uh i appreciate you man um we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll be talking in just a minute all right, thank, you, having me up. thank you yeah. all right well that that interview couldn't have went any better um i definitely enjoyed talking to desmond um definitely think um his story is pretty inspirational especially for uh, people who are coming from Lansing, Michigan, 
Uh, like he said, I mean, it's just, it, it's awesome to be able to, to hear a story like that and then try to um, pass it down or like give knowledge to uh, the people coming up and different things like that. So um, I definitely admire him and what he's been able to do. And I think a lot of you probably got a lot of knowledge from this podcast. So um, yeah, thank you guys again for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe to the video. As always, the um, podcast is sponsored by the one and only Royal Legacy Clothing. Uh, you can check out the link below. Um, and then all of Desmond's uh, information is going to be below also. So definitely check out Moneyball. Um, I've had uh, clothing over the, year, over the years for Moneyball, my wife. Uh, you know, Moneyball is quality, quality material, quality things. And yeah, especially if you need some jerseys, man. The jerseys are dope too. So check them out. Uh, definitely rock with Moneyball. They're going places still. Um, and like he said, it's been a grind for the last 18, uh, 20 years. For They're going further. So definitely check them out. Uh, and I appreciate you guys for watching. That will conclude episode five of the Hustlepreneur Life podcast. Tune in next week for episode six. Thank you.